Book Four, Canto Twelve, The Legend of Campbell and Telemond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer, Book Four, The Legend of Campbell and Telemond, Canto Twelve. Marin, for love of Florimel, in languor wastes his life. The nymph his mother getteth her, and gives to him for wife. Oh, what an endless work have I in hand! To count the sea's abundant progeny, Whose fruitful seed far passeth those in land, And also those which won in the azure sky. For much more earth to tell the stars on high, I'll be they endless seem in estimation, Than to recount the sea's posterity, So fertile be the floods in generation, So huge their numbers, and so numberless their nation. Therefore the antique wizards well invented That Venus of the foamy sea was bred, For that the seas by her are most augmented, Witness the exceeding fry, which there are fed, And wondrous shoals, which may of none be read. Then blame me not, if I have erred in count Of gods, of nymphs, of rivers yet unread, For though their numbers do much more surmount, Yet all those same were there, which erst I did recount. All those were there, and many other more, whose names and nations were too long to tell, that Proteus' house they filled even to the door, yet were they all in order, as befell, according their degrees disposed well. Among the rest was fair Camodosi, the mother of unlucky Marinel, who thither with her came, to learn and see the manner of the gods when they at banquet be. But for he was half mortal, being bred of mortal sire, though of immortal womb, he might not with immortal food be fed, nor with the eternal gods to banquet come, but walked abroad and round about did roam to view the building of that uncouth place that seemed unlike unto his earthly home, where, as he to and fro by chance did trace, there unto him betid a, a disadventurous case. Under the hanging of an hideous cliff he heard the lamentable voice of one that piteously complained her careful grief, which never she before disclosed to none, but to herself her sorrow did bemoan. So feelingly her case she did complain, That Ruth it moved in the rocky stone, And made it seem to feel her grievous pain, And oft to groan with billows beating from the main. Though vain I see my sorrows to unfold, And count my cares, when none is nigh to hear, Yet hoping grief may lessen being told, I will them tell, though unto no man near, For heaven, that unto all lends equal ear, Is far from hearing of my heavy plight, And lowest hell, to which I lie most near, cares not what evils hap to wretched wight, and greedy seas do in the spoil of life delight. Yet lo the seas I see by often beating do pierce the rocks, and hardest marble wears, but his hard rocky heart for no entreating will yield, but when my piteous plaints he hears, is hardened more with my abundant tears. Yet though he never list to me relent, but let me waste in woe my wretched years, Yet will I never of my love repent, But joy that for his sake I suffer prisonment. And when my weary ghost with grief outworn, By timely death shall win her wished rest, Let then this plaint unto his ears be borne, That blame it is to him that arms professed, To let her die, whom he might have redressed. There did she pause, enforced to give place Unto the passion that her heart oppressed. And after she had wept and wailed a space, she gan afresh thus to renew her wretched case. 
Ye gods of seas, if any gods at all, Have care of right, or ruth of wretches wrong, By one or other way me woeful thrall, Deliver hence out of this dungeon strong, In which I daily dying am too long, And if ye deem me death for loving one that loves me not, Then do it not for long, but let me die, And end my days at on, and let him live unloved, Or love himself alone. But if that life ye unto me decree, Then let me live as lovers ought to do, And of my life's dear love beloved be. And if he shall through pride your doom undo, Do you by duress him compel thereto, And in this prison put him here with me. One prison fittest is to hold us two. So had I rather to be thrall than free. Such thraldom or such freedom let it surely be. But, oh, vain judgment and conditions vain, the which the prisoner points unto the free, the whiles I him condemn, and deem his pain, he where he list goes loose and laughs at me, so ever loose, so ever happy be. But where so loose or happy that thou art, know, Marinelle, that all this is for thee, with that she wept and wailed, as if her heart would quite have burst through great abundance of her smart. All which complaint when Marinelle had heard, and understood the cause of all her care, to come of him, for using her so hard, his stubborn heart that never felt misfair was touched with soft remorse and pity rare, that even for grief of mind he oft did grow, and inly wish that in his power it were her to redress. But since he means found none, he could no more but her great misery bemoan. Thus whilst his stony heart with tender ruth was touched, and mighty courage mollified, Dame Venus' son, that tameth stubborn youth with iron bit, and maketh him abide, till like a victor on his back he ride, into his mouth his maestring bridle threw, that made him stoop, till he did him bestride, then gan he make him tread his steps anew, and learn to love, by learning lover's pains to rue. Now gin he in his grieved mind devise, how from that dungeon he might her enlarge, some while he thought, by fair and humble wise, to approach his self to sue for her discharge. But then he feared his mother's former charge gainst woman's love, long given him in vain. Then gan he think, perforce with sword and targe, her forth to fetch, and Proteus to constrain. But soon he gan such folly to forethink again. Then did he cast to steal her thence away, and with him bear, where none of her might know, but all in vain. For why he found no way to enter in, or issue forth below, for all about that rock the sea did flow, and though unto his will she given were, yet without ship or boat her thence to row, he wist not how her thence away to bear, and danger well he wist long to continue there. At last, when as no means he could invent, back to himself he gan return the blame, that was the author of her punishment, and with vile curses and reproachful shame, to damn himself by every evil name, and deem unworthy or of love or life that had despised so chaste and fair a dame, which him had sought through trouble and long strife, yet had refused a god that had her sought to wife. In this sad plight he walked here and there, and roamed round about the rock in vain, as he had lost himself, he wist not where, oft listening if he mote her here again, and still bemoaning her unworthy pain, like as an hind whose calf is fall unawares into some pit, where she him hears complain, an hundred times about the pit-side fares, right sorrowfully mourning her bereaved cares. 
and now by this the feast was throughly ended, and every one gan homeward to resort, which seeing Marinel was sore offended that his departure thence should be so short, and leave his love in that sea-walled fort. Yet durst he not his mother disobey, but her attending in full seemly sort did march amongst the many all the way, and all the way did inly mourn like one astray. Being returned to his mother's bar in solitary silence far from white, he gan record the lamentable star in which his wretched love lay day and night, for his dear sake that ill deserved that plight. The thought whereof impierced his heart so deep, that of no worldly thing he took delight, no daily food did take, no nightly sleep, but pined and mourned and languished, and alone did weep. That in short space his wonted cheerful hue gan fade, and lively spirits deaded quite, his cheekbones raw, and eye-pits hollow grew, and brawny arms had lost their known might, that nothing like himself he seemed in sight. Ere long so weak of limb, and sick of love he walks, that longer he not stand upright, but to his bed was brought, and laid above like rueful ghost, unable once to stir or move. Which when his mother saw, she in her mind was troubled sore, nor wist well what to wean, nor could by search nor any means to find the secret cause and nature of his teen, whereby she might apply some medicine. But weeping day and night did him attend, and mourned to see her loss before her eyne, which grieved her more, that she it could not mend, to see in helpless evil, double grief doth lend. Nought could she read the root of his disease, nor ween what Mr. Malady it is, whereby to seek some means it to appease. Most did she think, but most she thought amiss, that that same former fatal wound of his, while here by Tryphon was not thoroughly healed, but closely rankled under the orifice. Least did she think, that which he most concealed, that love it was, which in his heart lay unrevealed. Therefore to Tryphon she again doth hast, and him doth chide as false and fraudulent, that failed the trust which she in him had plast, to cure her son, as he had faith had lent, who now was fall into new languishment of his old hurt, which was not thoroughly cured. So back he came unto her patient, where searching every part her well assured that it was no old sore which his new pain procured, but that it was some other malady, or grief unknown which he could not discern. So left he her without an remedy, then gan her heart to faint and quake and earn, and inly troubled was the truth to learn. Unto himself she came, and him besought, now with fair speeches, now with threatening stern, if aught lay hidden in his grieved thought, it to reveal, who still her answered, there was naught. Natheless she rested not so satisfied, but leaving watery gods as booting naught, unto the shiny heaven in haste she hide, and thence Apollo, king of leeches, brought. Apollo came, who soon as he had sought through his disease, did by and by outfind, that he did languish of some inward thought, the which afflicted his engrieved mind, which love he read to be, that leads each living kind. Which when he had unto his mother told, she gan thereat to fret, and greatly grieve, and coming to her son, gan first to scold and chide at him, that made her misbelieve. But afterwards she gan him soft to shrieve, and woo with fair entreaty, to disclose which of the nymphs his heart so sore did meave for sure she winged it was some one of those, whom he had lately seen, that for his love he chose. Now lest she feared that same fatal reed, that warned him of woman's love beware, 
which being meant of mortal creatures seed for love of nymphs she thought she need not care but promised him whatever white she were that she her love to him would shortly gain so he her told but soon as she did hear that florimel it was which wrought his pain she gan afresh to chafe and grieve in every vein yet since she saw the straight extremity in which his life unluckily was laid it was no time to scan the prophecy whether old proteus true or false had said that his decay should happen by a maid it's late in death of danger to advise or love forbid him that his life denied but rather gan in troubled mind devise how she that lady's liberty might enterprise to proteus self to sow she thought it vain who was the root and worker of her woe nor unto any meaner to complain but unto great king neptune self did go and on her knee before him falling low made humble suit unto his majesty to grant to her her son's life which his foe a cruel tyrant had presumptuously by wicked doom condemned a wretched death to die to whom god neptune softly smiling thus daughter me seems of double wrong ye plain gainst one that hath both wronged you and us for death's adward i weened did appertain to none but to the sea's sole sovereign read therefore who it is which this hath wrought and for what cause the truth discover plain for never wight so evil did or thought but would some rightful cause pretend though rightly not to whom she answered then it is by name proteus that hath ordained my son to die for that a waif the which by fortune came upon your seas he claimed as property and yet nor his nor his inequity but yours the waif by high prerogative therefore I humbly crave your majesty it to reprieve, and my son reprieve, so shall you by one gift save all us three alive. He granted it, and straight his warrant made, under the sea-god's seal or tentacle, commanding Proteus straight to enlarge the maid, which wandering on his seas imperial he lately took, and Scythens kept as thrall, which she receiving with meet thankfulness departed straight to Proteus therewithal, who reading it with inward loathfulness, was grieved to restore the pledge he did possess. Yet durst he not the warrant to withstand, but unto her delivered Florimel, whom she receiving by the lily hand, admired her beauty much, as she mote well, for she all living creatures did excel, and was right joyous that she gotten had so fair a wife for her son Marinel. So home with her she straight the virgin lad, and showed her to him, then being sore bestad. Who soon as he beheld that angel's face, adorned with all divine perfection his cleared heart had soon's away gone chase sad death revived with her sweet inspection and feebly spirit inly felt refection as withered weed through cruel winter's tine that feels the warmth of sunny beams reflection lifts up his head that did before decline and gins to spread his leaf before the fair sunshine right so himself did marinel uprear when he in place his dearest love did spy and though his limbs could not his body bear, no former strength returned so suddenly, yet cheerful signs he showed outwardly. No less was she in secret heart affected, but that she masked it with modesty, for fear she should of lightness be detected, which to another place I leave to be perfected. End of Canto 12, Book 4, The Legend of Campbell and Telamond End of Book 4, The Legend of Campbell and Telamond